stand up and be counted. Don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be better. Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Today's episode is a little different. We're doing career advice, but because I care about self-care and wellness and how you feel on the inside, because that informs everything, I realized it would be great to have my mom who has several decades of experience in corporate America and is such a boss herself on to give some tips and tricks about how to navigate life in corporate. Now, I have a full-time job, as you guys know, so I do this podcast on the side, but Monday through Friday, from the morning until the afternoon, I am working at Instagram. Now, I've found a way to balance this podcast while working, but I also really care about my career. I always want to be seen as making an impact, moving up, and working at companies whose values align with mine. So this is going to be an amazing episode. I hope you guys learn a lot from the conversation. I It's my own mom, and I even learned a lot from the conversation, particularly her advice around mentorship, I found to be very eye-opening and helpful. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm at Brooke DeVard on all platforms. At Naked Beauty Planet is the home of this podcast on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. And let's get into the episode. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Today, I am joined with Jerry DeVard, aka Mom. Welcome to Naked Beauty. Hi, Brooke. So I wanted to do a short episode on corporate resilience and advocating for yourself at work and finding a career that's really rewarding to you. Oh, my God. All of that? Yes. Well, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through it. And, you know, it's a beauty podcast, but I think you know, when you truly feel beautiful and assured in who you are, you are doing something that brings you joy. And you're also working from a place of empowerment. You're right. You're right. You're so right. it's all related to self-care and wellness. So by way of introduction, I, I took this from Ad Age. Um, Jerry DeVard has served in the C-suite as the chief marketing officer of several Fortune 100 global companies and serves as a director on several corporate boards. Would you say that's accurate? I'm, I'm your mom. <laughs> and you're my mom and and Mavi's grandma. Not, no, not not and primary. 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 I am your mom. Okay. All the other stuff is interesting, but it doesn't define who I am. I would agree with that. So how long have you been working for? Oh my God. How long have I been working? Yeah, I think I've been working now ten years. Nine nine years. I've been working nine years. <laughs> I met your dad. When I was 23, I got married when I was 25, proud graduate of Spelman, and then went on to get my MBA. 
So I started working and got married the same year. And I've been working ever since, but it's always been something that was a love affair that was secondary to my love of family and and life of being a mother. Yes. And it's interesting because you've chosen marketing as your kind of field. I've been in marketing since I graduated. I, yeah, how did that happen? I never like <laughs> sat you down and said, you're going to be a marketer. Is that like DNA? Is that like genes? You pass that down? And then on top of that, I also got married at 25 to someone who did marketing. I know, I know. And and Umut's mom did marketing. I, wow. So, okay, so Mavi's going to be a little <laughs> super marketer, right? Maybe. I mean, I've always been attracted to marketing, right? Because it was storytelling, but also it was that analytical side, which I really liked just with my background in digital. You know, I had a blog growing up in high school and college. I was always checking the analytics and I was always attracted to the idea of how do you attract people to whatever it is you're doing and how do you, you know, optimize based on results? How do you storytell? So it was like art and science. I'm so glad you said that, Brooke, because great marketers have a powerful qualitative and quantitative side, right? You have to be analytical to understand the results of what you're doing and setting great objectives. So, But you also have to have that creative spark to understand what what is going to work despite the evidence of it happening. Yes. And I think it's also about being tapped into culture, right? Oh, well, you are so tapped into culture. Like you, you I was like, oh, really? Is that, what? okay, all right. You like, you are like uber- tapped in the culture. But don't you think that helps for marketing? Of course it does. Of course. So so the the level of understanding, I always talk about the intersection of culture and commerce. And the more tapped in you are to culture, the higher the return is going to be on the commerce side. Because culture is about what's relevant and what matters to people. And I always say in marketing, you have to matter to people rather than market to people. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into some of your career history, but I want you to think back to your early days of working. Now you're very sure of yourself. You're very seasoned. You know what you want. You know how to advocate for yourself. Starting out, did you always feel sure of yourself? Yeah. And that's, you know what, that's due to your grandmother. That's due to Spelman College. And I also think that it was due to the fact that I I was looking for happiness, satisfaction, and gratification without understanding what that meant. I wanted to be good at what I did and I wanted to be good at it. And so when I had the opportunity to do what I enjoyed, I I understood that I had to be good at it. But I started out as an engineering major. I failed miserably. (laughs) I could not imagine you as an engineer at all. No, no, no. When I was applying to Spelman, there was a lot of scholarship dollars available for people that wanted to go into the sciences engineering. And I thought, oh, I'll be an engineer. I signed up for engineering and I failed miserably at it. I was no one's engineer. (laughs) So when I found at Spelman, I became an econ major and I loved it. And I thought, okay, econ was my path to business. It was like, oh, okay, I finally found something that I can enjoy and be good at because that's the secret combination. Okay. So you were always pretty sure of yourself, but let's talk about asking for money or asking for a raise. I know you sh- you did an op-ed for um, Ad Age where you shared that you found out that a white colleague of yours was making a lot more money. What was, tell, tell us about that experience. Well, that experience was about, I was very happy and excited that I had gotten promoted and gotten a raise, went out for drinks with my peer who had also gotten promoted. And we were just talking and you know, like the second drink, he's like, oh, I'm so excited. And, you know, I'm moving from 
I don't know what the dollars were, X to Y. And I was like, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, what? And I just realized that, oh my God, because what happens is, is that what you make going in the door sets the bar for what you're going to get from there. Right. You have to be able to understand that a 3% or a 5% merit increase on top of a lower base is never going to get you to where you need to be. But I didn't know that. And now there are laws that say when someone's interviewing you, you ask, they ask you how much you make. Don't ever answer that question. It's what are you willing to accept and what does the job pay? It's not what you made. So, yeah, I found out that he made a lot more than me. And I then decided that I was going to go into my boss and ask for a raise. And I said this in the ad age piece. He said, you know what? You make a lot of money already. And I thought in my head, what I heard him say was, you know, for a black woman, you make a lot of money. And I thought, no, not cool, unacceptable. And I want to raise. And he said, well, okay, I'll think about it and come back to you. And uh, uh, two weeks went by and I said, you still thinking about it? And then how old were you when this was happening? I was 28 at that time. But they they finally came back and gave me a significant raise more than what you usually get for merit. But it really taught me to value my worth and to be an advocate because no one was going to advocate. Even when you apply for a job and you they make you an offer, you got to ask for more. Yes. If you feel that you're worth it. Now, if it's a great offer, then you accept it. But if you have data or an understanding that it's not the right number, and Brooke, you know this, I've turned down money that people thought was good, but I thought did not value who I was. Some people would say, well, okay, you have a a high sense of what you're worth, but I I think it's fair. And I'd rather take zero than something less than what I'm worth. Yes. And I also tell people when it comes to negotiating, if you have the job offer and the offer is good, but you still want to try to get more, the worst thing that can happen is that they can say no. Right. But it's not just getting more for the sake of getting more, right? You you have to get more for the value that you believe that you're going to bring and that you're worth. And so in my case, I always had data about either my accomplishments or what others were making. And I said, well, if this is a job that's as important as this other job, then the pay should be commensurate. And if it's less than I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that. Yeah. Glassdoor is a great resource for that to see what competitive salaries are. The proxy that's filed at a certain level at the C-suite is also a good one. Yes. So we talked about asking for more money, asking for a raise. Would you also say that you should be prepared? Because I think a lot of people, when they really are desperate for a position they are willing to accept less because they're afraid that something else may not come. How do you feel about being prepared to walk away? Well, okay. If you're desperate and you need the job, then you need to take what they give you. (laughs) Like, don't, don't be stupid. Like if you need it and it's good enough, then take it. Take it and then start looking for another job while you're in that job. No, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. No. Okay. Desperate. You said if you are, if if you're desperate, but I'm saying, I think that you can take a job that's not your dream job. And then while you're in that job, learn what you can learn, connect with people you can connect with, make relationships, and then you can still be in a job while looking for another job. Yeah, I think people need to really reassess what the dream. I I don't know what people's dream job is. Is that the company? Is that the salary? Is that the role? Is that the boss? I don't think you know what your dream job is. What you have to know is what you want. I mean, the best job I ever had 
And I always say this, I worked at Verizon for Bruce Gordon, who was like an amazing leader. I've chased that combination of boss and company for years and never found it. I've had some good bosses, but no one as great as Bruce Gordon and no one is, you know, as as supportive. And I had the resources at Verizon to do what I want to do. So I think that people have to decide what it is they want and be very clear about the compromises that they will make. And again, if you just chase money, you're not going to get what you want. You have to chase validation and acceptance of what you can bring, a cultural fit and a place that you can look around and say, yes, I like being here with these people for this mission. Yes, yes. And that mission is very important. And I think increasingly for millennials and Gen Z, they want to work at companies that have a purpose and reason for being. Oh, this idea of a dream job. So a lot of people say, find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I think that that's very misleading. Yeah, they need to revise that, you know, find what you like and you'll never work it. Now you're going to work your ass off. I'll I'll never forget. I I came, I, I was, I had a particularly stressful day and I said to your father, my husband, the love of my life, Greg, I said, oh, my God, this was so hard. I said, "Ah, you know, can I just not make any decisions? He said, Jerry, he said, you think people at McDonald's don't have to make decisions that are hourly workers and no shade on that. But there is no job that you're going to have that is not going to be stressful. There's no job that is not stressful. So if you're going to be stressed, find the thing at least that you love that you can manage the stress. Yes. And I think that's so important that you're saying that because I think a lot of people have this false sense of reality where they think that the job that they're at now is not good enough because they're not, you know, jumping out of bed every morning to get on their laptop and do it. That's just not realistic. No. Well, I would. okay, not to disagree with you, Brown Sugar, but I think that there were jobs that I had that I was like, oh, my God. No, really, that I can't wait to go in to the office. But not every day is like that. No, no. Oh, it's like, okay, it's like a marriage. It's like a friendship. It's like, no, no, no day is all roses and rainbows and butterflies. Right. right. But on average, it's got to be, it's got to be more pros than cons. If every day you are, and I was never miserable. (laughs) Like if every day you're like, oh my God, I got to go in there with them people and at work. And then you need to really take an assessment of like, why are you dealing with that? I always say, and you know, your father and I have been together, what, 38 years, I think. I always said to your father that I am with you because I love you. The day that I don't want to be with you, I'm out. And he was like, what, huh? And I think that's with jobs. It's like, you have to believe that this relationship that you walk into the door every day is good enough and that the pros outweigh the cons for you to be there, that they're your, that you're valued, that you're making a contribution and that you see a future there. If not, then you have to take it upon yourself to do something about it. Absolutely. On the topic of different places you've worked at and beauty, you worked at Revlon for a while. What was your position there? I was a vice president of marketing. I always talk about how so much of the beauty industry is just marketing, right? Because the same products come up year after year after year, but they just find new ways to market them. What insight do you have around how beauty companies think about marketing? So I used to think that before I went to Revlon. Now, this was a very unique situation, I think, now that I think about beauty. But Revlon at the time when I worked there was really about technology. And you think, "Mm, technology. That was the days of color stay. And rather than just slathering on makeup and saying, I look great, Revlon was about technology. So color stay was about you could put foundation on 
and it lasted for 12 hours. Right now, probably people say, well, what was happening to your skin? It's all clogged. But it didn't rub off. I remember it was a commercial with Cindy Crawford where she would take the collar of her shirt and rub it against her face and the foundation didn't come off. Oh, wow. And so you took that technology about putting on foundation and it's staying on. And then you took it. We took it to eyeshadow and to lipstick and to mascara. And so there was technology behind the delivery of color. And I think that now when you think about kind of the beauty industry, it's all about ingredients, like what's in there that is going to be good for me and not just good to me. Good to me, meaning that it makes me look good, but I want to be very careful of what, what I'm putting on my skin and the ingredients. So back then, if a label of the ingredients was like, you know, 12 sentences long that you couldn't pronounce and under, didn't understand it, nobody cared because they look good. But now it's like, wait a minute, people are looking at that and say, what, what is that? No, nope, not doing that. So I love where beauty has evolved. Yes. And we both love the Kosas concealer. Because oh, you turned me on to that. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, I, I, that's all I use. I used to be like <laughs> the foundation. Now all I do is I dab the concealer under my eye and along my side, like the side of my cheekbones. I love it. Yes. Amazing. And it's good for your skin. Are they paying you a lot of money? Because you got everybody <laughs> using this stuff. Are they paying you a lot of money to rep for them? Because Coach they are not. Is, well, but okay. They, but should, that, they should. I need to reach out. No, but that's what I love about what you talk about, Brooke, because you've tried it and you've tested it and you go out to your followers with really legitimate you know, recommendations. And when you told me about that, you had been telling me about it for a long time. And I thought, okay, I'll try it. And I thought, oh, it's great. So, and the other thing too, is I think that we are coming to grips with who we are and what we look like and not trying to Mask. make us something yeah, yeah. Not, like enhance what I have. Don't change me into yeah. something else. Like I love what you did about your hair where you said, yeah. look, this is where my hair grows out of my head. I'm going to embrace it, right? This is the way I look. I'm going to enhance it. But even if I don't, I'm good with that too. Yeah. We've come a long way with beauty. Switching back to career advice, mentorship is a big topic and it comes up a lot. I don't have a ton of formal mentors. I have people that I go to that I really respect. Some of them are peers as well, peer mentors, um, but I don't have formal mentors. How important do you think is mentorship? I think it's critical, but you don't have to have formal. See, this is the, okay, listen up. Yes, All right, we're ready. You don't need a formal mentor. You don't need to go to someone and say, can I be your mentee? Will you mentor me? Here's how you get a mentor. You listening? You say, you find someone that you respect, that you think has good judgment, that has had a degree of success that maybe you feel you haven't had or that you want. And you go to them and say, I have an issue. I'd like your help with it. Can you help me? If you say to someone, can you help me? Because this is what I'm struggling with. People will help you. And that's the hook. And when they give you that advice, you say, thank you very much. Do you mind if I come back to you? And if they say, no, no problem, you've got a mentor. Right. They don't know it, <laughs> but right. you know it. Right. And they're there. They're riding for you to help you. So that's the beauty of it. Don't ask someone to be your mentor. Because when people ask me that, I'm like, well, does that mean we have to talk every week? Am I supposed to like have goals for you? Like, right. I, I don't know what you expect. But if you come to me with this is what I need your help for. Yeah, I'm going to help you. And someone who, who I consider a mentor gave me great advice. This is Liz, who you know, from Ralph Lauren. She was saying, if you can find a way to help that person and what they're doing, right, like reverse mentorship, then that's really valuable as well. There are things that you as a young person may be, you know, knowing about or 
yeah, there's this article or there's this trend happening on Instagram that I think you should know about because you're in this, you know, industry. Oh my God, yeah, trends are so you, the things that you have taught me, Brooke, that I would not know, like you can reverse mentor so easily because people that act like they know everything, they're lying. They're full of it. You can't know every trend, every thing that is like of the moment. But when someone does and they kind of like pull your coattail or what did, what do you say now what put you on put, put you, you on okay put, okay when they put you on <laughs> you're like okay yeah like like you know the whole idea of being current and relevant is what the currency that everybody wants yes even though i think i did do a clubhouse before you you did do a clubhouse before me and you are the tiktok queen you're like on a break <laughs> now but you're like oh you're you're like on it with tiktok I love TikTok. I, I get the I get the you've been on there too long, like five <laughs> times. And I'm like, OK, all right. Yeah. Time for me to go. Yeah. OK. So you started Becca, the Black Executive CMO Alliance, which was born. Well, it's end of March. Let's just say April. Yeah. Yeah. No. End of March. Yeah. No. Yes. Well, we, we, we actually launched March 30th. So the very end of March. So talk to me about why you started Becca. And then I have a follow up question. But first, I want to hear why you started why I started, Brooke, is it's because all the years, all the journeys, all the triumphs, successes, all the failures that have occurred in my career, I felt that if I didn't share that with others, then what good did it do me to just experience it myself? And when I talk to so many people like me that look like me, Black executives in the C-suite, they all had the same experience. And I thought, but we're all doing this solo genius by ourselves. We need to come together as a community. It is the lonely only that we talk about being the only black in the C-suite, the lonely black in the C-suite. But here's the secret. Everybody thinks they're going to be the last one, right? Because when they walk out the door, no one that looks like them comes in. So I started Becca, you know, I took this from you, Brooke. I started, I created the thing that I was looking for. Yeah, that's very powerful. So you have been in corporate. We didn't exactly calculate how many years, but you've been working since you were. No, I, I, I started my corporate career in 1983, 93, 2003, 2013. Yeah, long time. So now you are living life as an entrepreneur, right? You've mm -hmm. done Becca. You've got a couple of interns, but you're really just doing it all yourself. Three interns. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. Three interns. Yeah, yeah. Doing it all yourself. So how are you finding entrepreneur life? Well, I so I still serve on three corporate boards. Yep. And I have to say that being an entrepreneur has a very different level of satisfaction that I enjoy because I'm 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 on it just as hard, if not harder. Like my I start out like at eight AM and I'm not done till like ten or eleven. And I I I had to do a note to myself, okay, here's another secret book. So the bad habit that I had was that at night, when I was going through my emails, I would find the email and I'd send it to one of my interns. And I'd say, oh, can we follow up on this? Can we follow? It's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And one of my interns responded, yes, I can do that. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm that woman, that boss that's like crazy people emailing. And I don't want to say. And I said, I said, I'm so sorry. I don't expect you to respond. No. So now what I do is I bank those emails. And I send them in the morning because it's crazy. But being an entrepreneur is very fulfilling. I love it because I'm doing the thing that I want to do for what I want to do. So any advice for people in corporate that feel like they want to go out on their own, but have never done it before? 
you'll know when the time is right. You'll know when the time is right and what your circumstances are and what your objectives are. Like for me, this came about organically because it was almost like I was compelled to do this, like I was driven to do this as an out-of-body experience. I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I never thought of myself as a as starting a business. But it happened from this strong sense of purpose and mission around helping others and paying it forward. Because I do believe that my legacy is not about what I've done, but who I've helped. Yeah, And it's not about what I've achieved, but what I can help people achieve. So with that as my passion, I wanted to get others involved that felt the same way. That's amazing. I also think one of the things that I find a lot of people that have started their own businesses do and say is they say that they did what they did because they felt there was no other choice. Like they didn't have an option. Oh, no, I had lots. Oh, no, 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 no. No, not, not, not in terms of desperation, but there was something inside of them that pushed them to do it almost like something from God, something outside of yes, themselves. I, I agree with that. Where yes. they felt like, I don't know why I have to do this, but I have to do this. Right. I, yeah. I don't know why I have to do this, but I have to do it. And it was like every day because it's, it's not easy to start something. It, it's kind of like when you start this idea of a business and all businesses start with a great idea, you don't know if anybody's going to want it. Right. I mean, I, I felt that we could be very powerful as a group of black marketers, black C-suite executives helping others to, you know, send the elevator back down, fill it up with people that arrive faster and smarter than you. I felt that there were people that were like that. But like any good marketer, I did research and found out that, yes, there were people. But you have to have a passion and a dedication to do it or else it's just not going to happen. Absolutely. And one of the things that's really important to you that we talk about all the time is diversity and inclusion and having accountability around diversity and inclusion. So if you are a junior person, meaning you don't have, you're not hiring people, you're not building a team, what do you think you can do in your company if you feel like diversity is not where it should be? Ah, you have more power than you know. You don't have to be a senior executive. You don't have to be hiring people. You don't have to have a team. Do you know the power of asking a question? Like, why are there no black people in our agency? Why don't we have a recruitment strategy at HBCU? So, so asking the question is powerful. So, and, and you do it in a way that people have to like, Think about, wow, mm. because what you're seeing as a black person in an organization sometimes is very different than what the majority sees. So ask questions about what you see and why is that? Why, why is that that there are no blacks? And I always think that diversity, the D-E-N-I that everyone's talking about, diversity, equity and inclusion, I say the I is about impact. What impact do you want to have on the organization that you're at to create change? And I think that change can happen at any level by asking the question. Also, if you are hiring or if you manage relationships and partnerships, you should make sure that those partnerships understand that to do business with your organization, that they're going to have to have appropriate representation. Yes, that is something that comes up more than I'd like it to in terms of there's an agency and then you ask who's working at the agency or you look at even the about us section on their website and there's just no, I should say, visible diversity. So they'll say they're diverse, but there's no visible diversity. 
Well, and you have to ask them why. And they're going to say, well, we tried and, you know, we can't find. And I've always said that, you know, people say that it's a supply problem. We can't find them, but it's actually demand. It's like creating the opportunity for people to apply for the opportunities, but also imply, apply themselves. And organizations, you get, you get kind of lazy. It's like, okay, well, my friend knows a friend and they meet the specs, so I'll hire them. Right. Okay, we're going to end with some career advice. So what is the best career advice that's ever been given to you? Think of yourself as a seed and where can you plant that fertile seed? Don't plant it in the desert. Don't plant it where there's no sun or no rain. Put yourself in an environment where you can succeed. And how you know an environment where you can succeed is looking around at who is there that looks like you or if they don't look like you, then are they saying the things that are important to you? Because many organizations don't have people that look like us. But you have to be able to feel that you can succeed in that organization. So my career advice is be very choosy about where you place yourself. And if you're in an organization that doesn't value or support you, then decide what your plan is to go someplace that you can because you are worthy of it and you're deserving of it. And nine times out of 10, you're ready for it. That is great parting advice. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Anything else to add? No, I love you, Brown Sugar. Okay, love you too. This was a great episode. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. We're going to get into the beauty question of the week. Hi, Brooke. I hope you're well. I'm a longtime fan of the podcast and listening to episodes weekly is part of my self-care routine. Love to hear that. I recently saw on one of your Instagram posts that you're a lip balm addict and I was delighted. I used to be a lip balm addict too, but ever since I turned 30, I'm 31 now, my skin has become super sensitive and reacts to fragrance, essential oils, and products. I've used everything from Bite Beauty's Agave Plus intensive lip masks to even Carmex, but they unfortunately make my lips dark and sore now. Now I always carry with me a small tub of good old Vaseline in my purse, which has been working great on my lips, but I miss the ease of applying thick balms without using my fingers. I wanted to know which lip balms you'd recommend for someone with super sensitive skin. P.S. I also have dry skin. Thanks for the help in advance. Sensitive chap lipped girl. I love this question because yes, I'm a lip balm addict. I'm also 31 and I also have dry skin. So I feel like I see you, sis. Let me see if I can help. Okay, so here are my favorite lip balms for people with sensitive skin. The first thing I'm going to recommend to you is the Lucas 
pawpaw ointment. Now, this is from Australia. People are obsessed with it, but you can get it anywhere. You can get this on Amazon. It's multi-use. You can use it for cuts, scrapes, rashes, um, but it's a really good lip balm. And the base of this lip balm is petroleum jelly, but it has a lot of extra things too that make it really nice for your lips. I think that this is amazing. And every time I have like a little tube of this, I find myself using it on my cuticles, on my lips, on my just dry hands, and it's fabulous. The second lip balm that I'm going to recommend to you is from La Roche-Posay. I think this is an amazing lip balm and I've used this in like the driest of winters. I've used this when I was skiing and I was so impressed. And it's the La Roche-Posay Cicaplast Lèvres, which means just lips, lip balm. It's for like 7.5 milliliters. It's $15.99, but it's really, really great. Now, I got mine abroad, but I think you can find this online. And this is a real, like the Cicaplast La Roche-Posay line really locks in moisture in a way that's beautiful. And it's in a really easy to carry lip balm applicator. Now, normally I would be recommending to you like the Laneige overnight lip mask. But as you said, like it's making your lips angry and upset. So I think simple, simple, simple things without lots of fragrances and ingredients. Now, the last thing I'm going to recommend to you now that we're coming up on summertime is a lip balm with SPF. Supergoop makes a really nice lip balm with sunscreen in it, so sun protection in it. It's called Play Lip Balm and it's SPF 30. And it has a sigh in it. That's kind of the active ingredient, but it's a really soothing, nourishing lip balm with SPF. So you get that added benefit of sun protection. I hope that helps. Your Vaseline that you're using, that's great. And and if you don't want to carry a tub around with you, I feel you. They do have Vaseline and like lip balm applicators if you want to switch to that as well. Or you can actually buy like little mini lip gloss applicators online and fill those with your favorite products. So try those out. Let me know how you like them. And thank you so much for writing into the show. All right, guys, as always, if you have beauty questions, email me at nakedbeautypodcast at gmail.com and I will do my absolute best to answer your questions. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll be back next week with a new episode. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com